Business is simple. It's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. Can it be that simple? Talent. Develop a robust recruiting, vetting, and training process to help capable people and then help them to become who and what they want to be. Sales. Have a logical go-to-market strategy. Build the sales and marketing structure and plan around it and then attack and execute the plan with fanatical consistency. Scale. Know where you're going, why you're going. Share with others why they would want to join you. Be clear on who's allowed to join you and what they'll need to do to stay on board. Anticipate roadblocks. Avoid them before you get stuck. And then when you do hit one, and you will, stay calm, problem solve, and find resources to get unstuck. Sounds simple, right? Simple to understand, but not easy to do. Join us as we focus on the tips and tricks and hacks for running a profitable, hyper-growth business. We'll share real-world horror stories and celebrate the victory sagas that will inspire you. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. So we have Mateo Elvara uh, with us. He comes, you know, at his own podcast, the Sales Development Squad podcast. Uh, really the first time that we've had an SDR on here. We've had an SDR manager. We've had some other uh, leaders, um, you know, t- you know, technology leaders and all that stuff. So I'm really excited to find out from Mateo because he's doing a couple of things, right? So one He's in the day-to-day, he's in the grind, he's working for an organization, but two, he was frustrated from just ridiculous how a lot of times SDRs get treated, and it's a really difficult job that takes a ton of specific skill sets, so I'd love to find out a little bit more about what he's doing there. And then lastly, um, my gosh, he's putting out content left and right on his podcast, doing uh, doing video feeds on LinkedIn, all kinds of good stuff that Mateo's doing. So you can even, uh, you know, check out some of his training videos and training stuff that he's doing. So uh, so welcome to the show, Mateo. Brian, thank you so much. Um, it's been an honor and um, it's always good to be on the other end of these mics and I'm, I'm excited to dive deeper today. Yeah, me too. So I gave you a little bit of a, a, a fluffy intro there. So <laughs> Let's let's dive into it. I mean, so why in the world you're an SDR two two years, not even three years into it? Why in the world should we listen to you, man? You know, I I constantly ask that question to myself every day, um, and I'm sure other people think that too. But um, honestly, I you know I just I'm a young guy, um, and I just I'm really passionate about sales. I think um, a couple of things that I learned just being in SDR for two years, I felt like that experience has taught me a lot. And it showed me that uh, sales skills are really important, whether you're in sales or not, because I think if you have the desire to start a business one day, or, um, you know, just achieve or create opportunities, um, that's something that I learned is, is, is a very valuable skill, be, having been in SDR. And so uh, I made it my mission now to just uh, do everything that I can every single day to try to help others around me, whether it's advancing their sales career, uh, finding sales as a career option for themselves, and then just leveraging all the tools and technologies that are available to us to, again, just create your next opportunity. And so I, I use that very vaguely on purpose because, um, again, with sales, we're always creating our next opportunity, whether that's within a company or you know starting your own company yourself. So um, although I'm very young and still learning along the way, uh, I'm just trying to do my best to support the SDR community and and constantly give them tips and advice that I've learned and that I want to share with them. Cool. I love it. Now, let's dive down a little bit more deeply into that. So why do you believe um, you jump into sales, you jump into SDR piece, right? You're not even, right? So I hear the old timers going, well, you're not even closing business. That's not sales, right? Right. So uh, why do you believe that, um, you know, this SDR position is so vital and, and, and let's couch it. It could be SDR, XDR, BDR, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But that, that first top of the funnel conversation starter why is that so vitally important or helpful in, in progressing along no matter what path you want to take? 
Yeah, I think um, closing is really important because you're securing that that deal, getting that contract out. I think what's really fun about sales development is like, again, I'm creating opportunities out of nothing, which is so freaking hard. I'm, I'm maybe I'm I'm relaxing on this, but it's so difficult. And I think it's really rewarding to know that like you created something out of nothing. And especially if you're working at a, an early stage startup where I'm at right now with Booknook, um, every deal and every opportunity and every conversation matters. And so, um, to be honest with you, I, I really don't have a desire to be a closer because I actually get more thrill out of um, being and specializing in top of funnel. Cause I love just knowing that I created something out of nothing. They weren't even thinking about us, especially if you're doing a lot of cold outbound. And so I don't know, there's just, there's just something about knowing that, you know, you can create opportunities out of nothing. And the fact that like you're the engine that's driving all the new business for the company, granted closing is important. And it's like the second half of the cell, which is equally as important, but, um, you know, if you don't have anyone to sit in the chair and just take a look at your product, you know, you can have all the closers that you want. But I think what's really, really important is making sure that you constantly have um, new business opportunities coming left and right. Um, and that doesn't happen without, you know, good SDRs or like a high quality top of funnel experience. So those are, I guess, just my thoughts there. Okay. So let, let, let's go through this. So, um, putting some attributes to this, right? So competencies, skill sets, um, what would you say that makes a successful SDR? So for those startups out there, those founders that might be listening to this, or even those that are looking to, to pivot, because what we're finding a lot of times is right now, especially, I can't go to trade shows, I can't do these things, I need to pivot and, and leverage uh, the resources of an SDR or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the skill sets that maybe one should bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the SDR role is really hard. I think you really have to think big picture because the role is so grindy. So as far as skills and attributes go, I think you have to you have to have a really strong mindset. Um, you have to know that what the work that you're doing today is going to be very difficult and you might be doing it for a year, two plus years. And so you have to really be... Um, concrete with your long-term goals, but just really know that like the work that you're doing is important. Um, the skills that you learn that you're learning right now are really important and they're applicable to anything that you do. But honestly, it really comes down to like your attitude and your mindset and, and your, your work ethic, right? Just being willing to like make an extra call or do, um, you know, large volume of activity, um, I hate to say that sales is like a numbers game, but at the end of the day, it, it kind of is. And so um, just being able to balance, like just knowing that like if you get rejected on a call, like the next call that you make has zero, uh, you know, outcome on the previous call. So like just being able to have a really, really strong, positive mindset and being able to have just, you know, that work ethic of making an extra call, making that extra dial. And um, I think just being able to, you know, embrace learning and and embracing the journey and know that like, you know, you're going to be constantly learning and um, knowing that you're going to fail, but that's okay because there's always opportunities to do better. So I think a combination of just those three attributes, I think is what makes a great SDR. Okay. So the three attributes to make a good SDR, one mindset, two positive attitude, and three constantly wanting to learn. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Got it. Now, tips and tricks that you're using. How are you keeping your mindset good? I mean, um, let's talk about the outreach. Roughly, how many outreach attempts are you doing today? Yeah, so I I did a post on my LinkedIn story yesterday. I just kind of gave you guys a snapshot of like my metrics. And so I basically had to make, well, I didn't have to make, I made 112 dials. As a result of that, I got like nine connects. And as a result of that nine, those nine connects, I was able to book one meeting. And so I just wanted to show that, like, obviously there's inconsistencies, right? You could probably book two, three meetings in 50 dials, but, like, for the most part, you know, it, it is going to take a lot to get a little. But um, one of my old managers always used to say it's, like, it, it always pays off in the long run. And so uh, if, you, if you're just committed and focusing on doing the work that yields the meetings, that uh, the results will always follow. So 
um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a it is a grindy numbers game role, especially if you're doing like cold outbound stuff. But um, I guess where I'm trying to sort of uh, leverage and, and see opportunities is is being able to be also on digital as well. So not only are you just like cold calling and cold emailing and stuff, but like you also have like a digital presence to back that up and, and help you build sort of credibility along the way. Okay. Now let's, for those of you that are listening, like 112 had nine conversations. You kidding? Right. So guess what? That's actually fairly good. So if you look at the percentage here, he had an 8% outbound to, to connect connect ratio and then 11% conversation to booked meeting ratio. Now, you know, are they going to, are they going to keep that ratio? You know, 70 to 80%. Yeah. I don't know what's, what's going on in your world. Is that about it? About 70 to 80% of those will keep. It's pretty, yeah, I would say about that, yeah. Okay, so just realize that whenever you're talking about driving opportunities and getting net new, now, that person that you spoke to, did they wake up today going, boy, you know what? I really hope that Mateo reaches out to me. I can't (laughs) wait because I got this problem that I know Mateo fixed. I mean, how many people would you say that you're reaching out to even realize that they have a problem that you solve? I mean, not very many, actually. I mean, it, I mean, that's. I think that's the beauty of cold outbound is there are people out there that you know are good fits for your product, but they just aren't thinking about you or they don't know about you yet. And so, a hundred percent. Yeah, because if you look at, um, I, I, I'll give him credit, Chet Holmes. I can't remember the book, but he has a, a pyramid. I'm not sure if you're terribly familiar with this, but it's you know three percent, ten percent, thirty, 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 right? So that three percent ready yeah. to buy today, and that might be where you get your digital digital marketing, right? You're going to get those leads coming through. That seven percent, so total top top of that pyramid is ten percent. That seven percent is now starting to think about it. They're just starting down that buyer's journey, but they're at least going, you know, next quarter, two, three, we'll figure it out, right? So they're starting to really look at it. Now, within those, you're going to get faster churn, maybe shorter cycle times, but you're also going to get beat up on margin and price. So what Mateo's doing is leveraging this outreach, reaching out to people that didn't even wake up today going, you know what, I have this problem, I need to get it fixed. Mateo has a skill set to be able to reach out to somebody who thinks they're perfectly content and happy, realize that, holy crap, I have a problem. Holy crap, this problem is bigger than I anticipated. Oh my gosh, I need help. Mateo, save me. And then Mateo comes in and and saves the day with with his uh, solution, right? So that's what Mateo is doing. And that's what SDR and BDR work is. So BDR work, well, you tell me, I mean, you know, people beat this up all day. Does it matter the the terminology? How are you describing an SDR versus a BDR and some of the other DRs out there? I think it varies on company to company. I've seen like MDRs being thrown in the mix there too, but I th- I like to just put them under the an SDR BDR umbrella, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. No, MDR. What what's an MDR? Uh it's like an inbound uh development rep, so probably uh like more inbound marketing related. Yeah. Okay. So like a marketing developing rep, which is AKA a business development rep, which is inbound (laughs) lead conversion. Got it. Okay. So whatever we're calling it, who cares? Um, how, how would you say, I mean, is 112 an average day for you or is that a, a low day? Is that a high day? I mean, what, what are your, the metrics that you're looking at? What should others be saying? Hey, you know, these are the numbers that I should really be uh, striving for. Yeah, I think it really does vary. I think yesterday I was just really motivated and Fridays are really good days to just connect with people. And so I I, I tend to do a lot more activity like that on Fridays. But I mean, I've done like 60 or excuse me, like 50 to like 112 dials in between, I guess. I mean, the metrics are important, and I think it really varies on each individual rep and each individual organization. But I guess how I sort of stay on track is 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 more of like a mindset. So like instead of thinking about how many dials I need to make to reach X conversions, I'm just trying my best to, you know, understand people, connect with people, and and find good quality fits. And I think through, through that mindset, I'm able to approach every call fairly. And so obviously metrics are important and being able to at least do like, you know, 50 dials a day is important, but, um, you know, 
there's there's outliers, right? So like yesterday it took me 112 dials to get one meeting and other days I've gotten like three meetings with like 50 dials. So yeah. it really does vary, but I think it all just comes down to like what your mindset is on like every call and like how you're doing the activity that will yield the outcome, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, uh, Sean Cease Sean had a, a nice post yesterday about, hey, we solve a problem, right? And Ryan Reiser would say, hey, uh, solve a problem or go away. So having that mindset, I think, is pretty good. So what's your, what's your mindset whenever you're picking up the phone? What's the mindset? What's going through your head? Yeah, my mindset is like, these people need me. And like, my service is valuable because we have a great product. Um, and, and I know I have a great product. If you don't believe that, then that might be an issue, but <laughs> just, just taking the mindset of like, what I'm doing is important, even if they don't think it's important because our product provides value, whether it's giving you more time back into your day or allowing you to make more money or allowing your students to make gains in literacy during COVID and distance learning. So I think the, the mindset has to be like, you, you know, you're going to get rejected and there's going to people, there's going to be people who give you no or tell you no. Um, and they might not even know or like care about what your product is, but like there are people out there that like need your solution. And so it, it's just, how can you meet them where, where they're at and how can you just maximize your outreach so that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting meetings, but yeah, I guess the mindset is just like you knowing that like the pain points that your product and service, um, solve that there are people out there experiencing that right now. And so they're waiting for your call. Like they're, they need you to call them so you can fix their problems. Is that sort of my approach? Yeah. So uh, the, uh, a couple of things come out of that, right? A mindset of, uh, it's your lucky day that I'm calling you. Yeah. Right. It, it really is. Because... Like it needs to be a coincidence that you call their, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. But, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's, that's hundred percent it because now, uh, true story. Somebody reached out to me cold call, right. And had an offer that we took advantage of because it was a really good offer that I had no idea that that organization even existed. And, and they're helping us out tremendously. So that was a problem that I had that I knew I had, but I, I, you know, with all the different choices out there, somebody came in, saved the day off of a cold call. So all of you people out there that say, well, I don't take cold calls, eh, you know, you might be missing something, right? So mm. that's, that's one piece. The second piece that you said is really um, an old adage, some will, some won't, so what next, right? But too often, and I don't know if you've seen this out here, Mateo, but too often people allow their self-worth or how they feel about themselves to be tied to the results that they're getting in a day. And, and you can't do anything about that. I mean, mm -hmm. your, your thoughts, I mean, how do you deal with that? Whenever you get rejection, 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 uh, are you starting to ready to, you know, suck your thumb, roll over and, you know, tuck and roll or what's going <laughs> through your mind there? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Um, I think you really have to just use those as opportunities to build calluses as my old coworker once said, but, um, I don't know, just, just maybe thinking like, okay, like maybe I called and like, they're really stressed out and like, you know, it just wasn't a good time. And, you know, or I try not to take it too personal. I try to just think, okay, maybe like they are really busy and I just caught them a bad time or like, Hey, like no worries. Like, um, like, it, like, you know, like my mindset is like, not everyone's a good fit. And so like more or less, it's like, if you give me a no, that's cool. Like, how can I still help you? Like right now with COVID, like I'm reaching out to principals and like teachers. Right. And so even if I get a no, I'm like, no worries. Like, thanks for letting me know. Like I, I post weekly tutorials for teachers. Like, is there anything that I can send your way? So just even though that the door is shut, so to speak, just trying to like build value or just really show them that I'm committed to this relationship and I'm not uh, just another salesperson asking you to take a meeting. So just using, honestly, using the rejection as an opportunity to like show that you're different by being no worries. Like, how can I still help you kind of thing? Yeah. And, and oftentimes, unfortunately, because there's so many crappy salespeople out there, people don't actually believe that's true. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a real challenge. So all of you really bad salespeople, would you just, uh, you know, get better for goodness sakes. You're making all of our lives hard. Yeah, take some sales training with Brian. Please. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, with, with Mateo or get, get some sailor or go to a bar, Burles, who cares? Just get some. Mm -hmm. um, so 
that mindset of I'm going to be helpful. Now, here's another question that you hadn't raised, but I think you're maybe doing it. How do you look at, here's a principal, CEO, whatever the title is, and then here's little Mateo, you know, two and a half years into this, starting my life, right? Where are you at in terms of um, business stature with this person? I mean, you know, they got all of this sure. experience, gray hair, and here's here's new Mateo. How do you bridge that that seeming gap there? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, honestly, I, I'm going to lean lean on my SDR experience. I think one thing that I love about the SDR role is when I first started, I'm like, okay, this is hard work. But, like, if I ever wanted to start a business one day, like, th- these are the gritty skills that you need to, like, get clients and start. So, like, well, I may not be, like, at a CEO level or know every facet of business or, like, an executive for 10-plus years, I think – the cool thing about being in tech sales or being an SDR is you get exposed to that side of the business relatively quickly. And so I've obviously learned a bunch of things about business from starting this podcast, starting my sales training and recruitment company. So honestly, I'm, I'm in the business of learning and, um, you know, any opportunity that I can to learn about business through an opportunity, I think is valuable in itself. So still learning as I'm going, but, um, I really want to lean on my SDR experience as as like an outlet for me on I guess how I learned about a little bit more about business and like talking business and what how to like fill people's needs and such. So yeah, I mean, honestly, you can learn a ton in an SDR role, that's for sure. Yeah, so we'll break that down a little bit more. So I like what you're saying there. So from a peer-to-peer level, right? So that's really what we have to have. If now, how much, I'll come back to that peer-to-peer level in a second. Don't let me get away from that, Mateo. How much are you looking at different personality types, whether it's um, predictive index, the ABCD, or disk profile, DISC, or you know, uh, there's a number of other ones that are coming out, or the animals, or whatever the case may be. How much, if at all, are you leveraging that information? In terms of like just getting to know your your buyer a little bit more, or Correct. So, right? So that communication style, and you might just do it intuitively because a lot of people uh, would just do it intuitively. Bartenders, waiters, and waitresses mm-hmm. are really good at intuitively adapting to whoever they're in front yeah. of. So, are you doing it intentionally? Is it natural for you? Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. Honestly, I love meeting and connecting with new people, and. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about starting a podcast is you, you're meeting strangers, you're asking them for something, and I think the experience of like top of funnel and really like getting experience with top of funnel, it makes you comfortable and confident talking to strangers. And I think once you've had a, a lot of exposure to that, um, talking to people is just fun now at this point. Like. I, I feel like I can read people really well because I've I've had the opportunity to just talk with a lot of people. And honestly, I just love people and humans. And I feel like I'm able to read them well because I just, I'm a human myself, so I can resonate. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's really hard to read people. I think you just need to just know that we're all humans and we all sort of operate in a similar manner, but but at the same time not. And just... I think if you just like people and you like connecting with new people and just approach it that way, um, you know, you're just meeting, connecting with new people and, and everyone is unique and special in their own way. And just, I don't know, just reading maybe the, the, the way they answer their replies and whatnot. But I, I do think there's just a lot of great people out there. And um, yeah, I guess kind of your analogy, like, I don't know, bartenders, they meet, they come across so many people in their lives and their lives and their jobs. So I would say, I guess, similar to me, maybe I haven't met as many people as you, but through, I guess, being an SDR and and through this podcast, it's kind of forced me to be comfortable with like the uncomfortable and like meeting new people and getting thrown into that. And so I think that's something that I like fully embrace now is like, I just, all right, how many people can I meet out there kind of thing? Yeah, now that's it. I think, and if you don't take that one away right there, what he just said, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Being thrown out there and just doing it. And that's it. I'm so glad that you just pulled that out because that's it. And that 
you know, I'm the old guy here, right? The, too many gray hairs to, to, to admit. <laughs> that's really the key, right? And I believe that that's why the SDR, that top of the funnel person is able to adapt to anything. Because if you think about it, sales, management, leadership, it's all the same. It's getting people to change their behavior because they want to. We can no longer just force you, right? The, the the asshole tax is no longer getting paid. Even in COVID, there's if I'm good, I can go anywhere and get a job. The the geography constraints are now gone. I can work with anybody remotely because me being forced to go into the office is more like yeah. now. Some companies are still gonna force you to do that. For the most part, geography is now no longer a limiting factor. So if I can go anywhere and work for anyone, I'm no longer gonna pay for the asshole tax. And if I don't know how to pay to work with people then, you know, if I'm a jerk off and, and I'm not kind to my people or I don't know how to communicate with my people, they're going to leave me. And so, you know, the old adage, people leave managers, they don't leave a position. So I really think that's why SDRs and that type of funnel people can do really well. But your thoughts, I might be making crap up. No, no. I mean, I mean, AEs meet and connect with a, not, a lot of new people, but being an STR, because it's a numbers game and because you're doing top of funnel heavy you you have to connect and meet and talk to a lot of people you're 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 forced to do that because like that's what the job is and i think the more you're comfortable with like doing that not only do you become a better networker because that's all networking is it's like having small talk connecting leaving leaving a good impression but like having that ability to just you're comfortable meeting and talking with new people and people like, like you and you have a good personality and people like, that's like, I think that's like money. Like if you can develop that skill and, and just be a good networker and a good, good, very personable. And like, you love to meet people like that's like, that's game over. Cause like, you're not afraid to meet people and people like you and like, you're, you're going to connect with as many people as possible. So like, like that is like truly, top of funnel madness there just like opening the floodgates as far as just opportunities so uh, you can tell me no and i'm perfectly okay with it you 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 how comfortable or uncomfortable are you willing to get um you know what's it sound like today you know if you were to call me what would that sound like you comfortable in uh in pitching me, sure. me a cold call? yeah i mean i i like to leverage my low calm tone of voice so okay. So you're going to go into your FM DJ voice. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I'll pick up the phone. I'll say, hello, this is Brian. They're like, hey, Brian, how's it going? It's Mateo with BookNook here. I know I'm calling you out of the blue here. Did I happen to catch you with a couple minutes? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, but go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, no worries, Brian. So the reason for my call is we actually just partnered with a few uh, elementary schools not too far from you. And uh, I wanted to reach out because I know COVID has obviously impacted a bunch of schools differently. Just wanted to see, I guess, how the school year has been going for you so far. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Definitely. I guess, have you, uh, you know, heard any feedback or the teacher sort of mentioning anything around just, uh, you know, how, you know, they're liking or using technology during this weird period? Uh, you know, a lot of them are older, a little bit uncomfortable with technology. Uh, some of the younger ones are, are going right to it. So it's a bit of a mix, mixed bag. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I know schools are, are sort of different. Like uh, some schools are completely open and some schools are going to be completely remote for the time being. Like, where do you guys sort of align or fall under this category? It's it's mixed, right? So our, our students can do it remotely. They're coming in. Um, you know, we have all the CDC protocols. So, yeah, it's it's really a mixed bag right now where the students have a choice. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I ask sort of like what tools you might be using around just like literacy intervention or guided reading? We're hearing that, you know, COVID slide is, is definitely a big challenge and, and making sure that students can make gains in their reading during this period is important. And, you know, the last thing we want is, I guess, students to fall behind. Do you have any systems in place to sort of help with that? Uh, no, not, not really. I don't even know what a COVID slide is. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, you know... Um, obviously school and education is totally different now. And so a lot of opportunities for students to fall behind, especially like early 
uh, learners, like kindergartners and first graders, right? Uh, my mom's actually a kindergarten teacher, so being able to grab their attention and make sure that, you know, that, that education, that learning process is equally as impactful is, is just something that we're working hard to, to achieve. But, Brian, it, it seems like it might make sense to take a look at BookNook. Um, like I said, we just launched free trials for teachers a couple weeks ago, and, and really would just love the opportunity to you know, show you what we have here and, and see if it might be helpful for your teachers. Uh, do you think you might have some time available perhaps like next week? Cool. All right. So out of role play. Well done. All right. So a couple of things that we can learn out of that. So uh, I'll let you give feedback and I'll, I'll give some Please. thoughts on, on what you did. So uh, what was the mindset? What were the, maybe some of the tactics that you were trying to utilize within there? Um, really leaning on my tone of voice. So, okay, so let's talk on that because sure. tone is critical, right? Because what are, what are the most of the, most of the salespeople sounding like out there? They're probably like, hey, 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 is this Brian? Brian, it's uh, Mateo with with a uh, uh, book nook here. I did. Are you are you are you busy? Yeah. Or they're going to talk really fast, and their voices go up really high yeah. because I mean, there's a physiological challenge that we're running into because <laughs> you're nervous on these cold calls, oftentimes. So mm-hmm. your throat constricts, and you're nervous, so your pitch goes up, and you go high. Now, if you if you think about one of the most powerful people that you know that just oozes. Uh, power and presence. They typically talk slow and mm. calm with pauses. So that tonality that Mateo was bringing, that real calm, personable, likable type of tone, wholly, wholly agree. Cool. So I like the tone. What else were you trying to do? Um, trying to, of course, be respectful um, of your time. And I know a lot of sales reps and SDRs might be opposed to just asking the prospect, like, hey, did I catch you with a couple minutes because it's an easy way out or whatnot. But I, I, I really just try to show as much respect right off the bat, like, hey, I'm taking your time right now. Like, I want to make sure, like, this is okay and I'm being respectful. And so I, I really do like to ask, like, hey, did I catch you at an okay time because I'm 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 asking for permission to sort of continue the conversation right off the bat, which I know is kind of iffy, but um, it, it works for me. I think you just have to find what works for you, I guess. Yeah, well, I wholeheartedly agree with you because you are an interruption, right? Uh, so if you look at if you talk to the uh, the folks over at Connect and Sell, they'll say, "Hey, uh, own the fact that you're in the interruption, right?" I know I'm an interruption. If you talk to the Sandler gang, they're going to say, uh, "Go for the negative side." Hey, uh, I'm probably catching it at a bad time, right? They're so used to people saying, "Hey, is now a good time?" You say no, and you say, "Hey, I'm probably catching it at a bad time." Yes, you know, oh, son of a gun, right? So if you switch it up a little bit. Just own it. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So let's role play that off of it. Off of it. So if I say, "Hey, Mateo, um, probably catching it at a bad time." Yeah, I am. Or yeah, you are. Right. So how would you play that one? Any sense? Hmm. It's kind of tough because you know I can say yeah, but go ahead. I yep. think that works. You know. Exactly. So, uh, oh my gosh, it took me so long to figure this one out. But it, oftentimes, if they say, "Yeah, I'm," I'm you know, because they always say something like this. How many times you've heard this? Uh, I'm going into a meeting, or I'm in the middle oh, of a all meeting. All the time. Yeah. Well, why in the world did you pick up the phone there? Right. Oh, it's some random <laughs> number. Oh, I'll pick it up. Hello, I'm in the middle of a board meeting, but I don't know who you are. So I thought I'd pick up. It doesn't make sense. You're lying, right? So. In that regard, oftentimes, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but I found that, um, you know, hey, listen, before I hang up and call you back, because the last thing you need is another phone call. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. Why don't I just tell you why I called? And if it doesn't make sense, no worries. Right? And so that one typically works if it's a legitimate opportunity. So, uh, yeah, that calm, that uh, getting permission uh, to continue on is good. What else were you doing there? Um. I really want to start asking questions. I, I'm a huge fan of questions. So being able to come in right away and add value through your questions, but at the same time, kind of building rapport. So my first question is usually around like, just, just it, it is a question to get them thinking about how we can help. But at the same time, it's like, how are your teachers doing? Like, hey, we're in a pandemic. Your teachers are probably all remote using technology that they've never had to use before in their lives. And some are struggling and some aren't. Like, how's that, how's that going? You know, like really trying to, I think it's a combination of 
build, showing your credibility through your questions, adding value through your questions, and then getting them talking right away. Because the the quicker you can get them talking, the the more they'll be like open to continuing the conversation with you. And furthermore, um, again, knowing, seeing the value in, in, in who you are and what you offer and increasing, increasing your chances of potentially booking a meeting. Yeah. So we're really now into tactical execution. So I hope that you're picking this up. What Matteo just said is questioning strategies. We, the person who asked the question is the person who's in control. And it's no longer features and, and benefits, right? You don't want to pitch because when you're pitched, it's easy to turn off. Mm-hmm. You show your intellectual prowess or you show your, your peer-to-peer prowess by the questions you ask. And the better you are at asking questions, the more that they realize that you're at a peer-to-peer level because they might be a CEO of some Fortune X company. They might be the principal or the superintendent or some yeah. high position, right? But they aren't skilled. They don't have the knowledge base that you do. Even if you're day two of your job, you know more about what you do than they do. For 90%, that's true, right? So by leading with those questions is good. Now, the other thing too is you had some specific questions in there. And, and if you lead with the specific questions of, hey, because uh, uh, you pulled one other part, and I don't know if you realize this. Whenever you said we're partnering with others in your area, was that intentional? Yeah, I mean, I like to throw in social proof when I can and if I can and if it makes sense. Um, obviously, it could backfire if it sounds really generic or if they don't know the schools. But um, I, I like to just let them know that, like, you know, that, again, just going back to, like, building credibility, like, if any if any way I can build credibility with you that we're a serious company or we can, you know, you might know the school or you might know a principal that works at that school, um, it can sort of build an extra layer of, like, rapport. Yeah, 100%. So what he's talking about with the social proof, you get into the principles of, uh, of influence, right? So knowing those principles of influence, how to leverage them to get people more comfortable, and then also not being too generic. Because if you get too generic, even especially with your questions, if you ask something like, hey, you know, how are your people doing with X, Y, Z? And it's so open-ended, it's too hard to contextualize it. So it's too vague. Like, what would you like for dinner tonight? I have no idea. There's so many choices. But if I say, hey, what would you like to dinner for dinner tonight if we went to um, an Italian restaurant that is really well known for their pasta and pizza? I think I'd go for the pizza, right? So if you can take it down to a, to a more narrow, so and that's where I liked you, that COVID slide piece, right? So hey, we're partnering with others, uh, other school districts within your area that are really concerned about, especially the the early learners in the COVID slide of you know falling behind from the rest of their peers. And I'm curious, you may have already figured it out, but how are you going about preventing that COVID slide? Mm, that's a good one. I got to write that one down. <laughs> hey, this is recorded. You can have it. So it, it's <laughs> it's taking the, that, that question right there. And I love the fact too, and I don't know if this was intentional. Listen, um, well, how are you doing? Well, I was, I was talking with my mom, you know, she's a, a kindergarten teacher and she was really concerned about this. And as we're talking, I started sharing with her a little bit, right? So now you go into storytelling, personalized with my mom. This is why it's important to me. You know, so now you just bring all of this contextual. So you have the law of like or the principle of likability, the the principle of authority, because now we're with um, with my mother, who's in this same boat. And we're in that social proof of what others are doing it all couched into the idea of who is this persona? Because if you think about a persona of a school teacher, are they typically risk averse or really love jumping out of airplanes and driving motorcycles and high risk takers? I mean, if you had to stereotype, what would you say? Yeah, definitely not the risk takers. I mean, who knows? Maybe there are some crazy teachers out there, though. They're the art teachers, right? The art and, and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and teachers. But for the most part, they're super risk averse, right? So by saying, hey, somebody else is doing it, other social proof here's something that maybe you didn't even know about this, the, the, the COVID slide, you hadn't heard about that. So now I'm learning, I'm a teacher, I love to learn, right? So all of these little nuances are coming into play. Plus, we tap onto what Mateo was talking a little bit earlier, that quick to connect, quick to bond with people, even those who are risk averse, that's going to be the play here. Now, three years from now, 
Mateo's opening up his own shop and going after somebody that's high risk averse, maybe entrepreneur, maybe startup founder kind of thing, you're going to throw that language aside, but not the principles, right? Because now you're talking, hey, somebody is looking, how can I have competitive advantage? How can I eke out and be an early adopter? If you talk about early adopters to a high risk taker or a, a low risk taker, it's going to freak them out. So you have to know your audience, which goes back to Mateo's point earlier of, hey, this is what we need to do to quickly connect with the persona and know who they are. So, but again, I don't want to take over, but is, is, is all of that going through your mind or you probably didn't even think that you're doing all yeah. this? I mean, I think it really comes down to like, for example, like I seeked ed tech opportunities because my family is teachers and I really understand that persona. And so for me to go into ed tech, it makes sense and it gives me an advantage so I highly encourage anyone out there, like, before you just step into any sales role, like, see, like, what, who around you or, like, are your family members in certain industries? Because, like, the more you can essentially play the part and, and, and comfortably and confidently speak to your prospects level, like, that's going to give you an advantage, like, I know my parents are teachers. I know half of my mom's side of the family are teachers. So, like, it might be a good idea for me to go into ed tech because I really, I can speak to that. I know that. And, like, that is going to give you industry insight and knowledge and confidence that you walking in and talking to plumbers and contractors is not going to give you. So, like, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, like, making sure like the sales role that you enter is like perfect for you because then you're going to crush it and then you don't have to lie and then you don't have to like pretend and fake it because like it's who you are and you're you're essentially playing the part. Uh, I think that's extremely critical, especially what you're talking about a little bit earlier, Mateo, whenever you're constantly getting rejected, you have to have an authenticity about you and a passion for what you do to be able to keep this going mm -hmm. on. So I think that's really good advice. And if maybe you're, you're saying, well, I don't have somebody like that, or I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Whenever you get into the role, it, jump on some exploratory calls, right? Find out what's going on there from those questions that you're hearing asked by the prospect on those exploratory calls or the demo calls, you're going to be able to know how to more succinctly say what you do and, and help and find out if there is a problem, because let's face it, if there, well, let me ask you, Mateo, if there isn't a problem, if they're like, oh, we have no COVID slide, we figured out blah, blah, blah. And here's what we're doing. We're great. And they're legitimately great. What are you thinking? I'm thinking, could I get a meeting out of this? Maybe. But at the same time, like, you got to think big picture. And, like, if you throw these guys over the fence, is it going to be a good use of time for an AE? Is it going to be good use of your time? You know, I, so, like, really vetting them out and, 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 like, making sure that you're not wasting anyone's time, I think, is equally as important, too. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and theirs, right. If they're legitimately good, 100%. if they legitimately don't have a problem, God bless it. That's awesome. So glad to hear it. Listen, not everybody's in the same boat that you are and has figured this stuff out. You're probably talking to others, uh, other principals and, and superintendents that haven't figured this out yet. Anyone that you know of come to mind that might benefit from a conversation mm. with a guy like me. And then you get an introduction to somebody that does have a problem. And now you can say, hey, I was talking with superintendent so-and-so at such and such. Yeah, he suggested warm. me reaching out to you. I, you know, he probably didn't tell you I was calling, did he? No, I will yell at him later, right? So that way you can get an introduction to somebody that you legitimately know because superintendent, principal, so-and-so said they have a problem. Catching at a bad time? No, yeah, I'll talk to you. You know, so-and-so put me over to you. So there's so much that can come out of it. And to your point, yeah, you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste the AE time. But you also don't want to waste the prospects time. Hundred percent. So yeah, absolutely. Look for a problem. If they don't have a problem, God bless it. You probably know somebody that does, and then talk to that person and solve that problem. So not <laughs> is rocking. that sort of what you lean on, like when you feel like it's not a good fit, just kind of go into referral mode? Oh, hundred percent, absolutely. So uh, case in point, um, if somebody is going down a path and they're really wishy washy, and you know it, right? Ah, eh, we're okay. Yeah, somewhat. Meh, right? It's the meh monster, right? The meh, right? And it just drives you nuts. Nothing drives me more crazy than that. 
So, you know, I, I guess I probably got this from Sandler days, um, but there's a whole bunch of people that teach it. You drive for a no. If it's going to be an N-O, I want a K-N-O-W as quickly as possible. So if they're that really wishy-washy type attitude, it might be something along the lines of, listen, Mateo, sounds like you're doing, just play it however you want. I'll replay that with you if you want. Like, sure. take that really wishy-washy math type person, okay? So listen, it sounds like you're doing pretty well over there, Mateo. Yeah, we're pretty good here. Yeah, okay. And and my sense is, you know, that the COVID slide, the, the the concern or fear about the, you know, especially the early students, um, you know, maybe falling a little bit behind, maybe uh not achieving the the test scores that that maybe you're counting on, you know, sounds like you you believe that you have that covered. Is that accurate? Yeah, we we just got a new program from the district, so yeah, it's going to be tough to consider anything else and just give teachers another tool. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, you only have so much bandwidth. So it sounds like, it, which we're yeah. not, by the way, even if we're free and even if we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, which I'm biased, I think we are, but I mean, there's no reason to have any type of further conversations, the, the sense I'm getting. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could check back in in like a year or towards the end of the school year and maybe we could have a conversation. Okay, well, that makes sense. I'll call you in about a year or so. Hey, out of curiosity, I'll definitely do that. I have your email is blankety blankety blank. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll send that out or just you know a reminder. I'll do that. Hey, out of curiosity, um, for you and I to have a conversation in a year from now, what needs to change? Um, well, obviously, just making sure that COVID doesn't wipe us out. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. Um, I mean. You know, we just got this new program, so if it doesn't work out or if it's not helping, then um, we might have to be in touch earlier. Yeah, and and hopefully that's not going to be the case. I hope this this program works out. Um, curiosity, how are you going to judge success with this thing? Uh, I mean, we haven't implemented it yet, so we have to sort of just see how that works. And I know that program that we got gives us some data, so being able to just reference that data, I guess. Do you, uh, yeah. So, and you're just, you might not know this, so forgive me for give, putting you on the spot, but um, I, I mean, out of curiosity, do you know what that data is supposed to be? What's a win? Um, it's more or less test scores. So just making sure students are reading at uh, certain levels by standards. Okay. So as long as they're meeting the standards, that makes perfect sense. Well, hey, Mateo, you, you've been really generous with your time. It uh, doesn't sound like it can help you today because you're implementing this, but you might know somebody who, who hasn't implemented what you're talking about that might benefit from, from this. You know, you, you're probably talking to other supervisors, superintendents, principals of other school districts. I mean, who came to mind based upon this conversation that would benefit from uh, talking to a guy like me? Um, my sister-in-law is a principal for another school. I, she might be interested. I can email her your, or email you her information. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, you wouldn't, uh, crazy idea. Uh, why don't I do this? I can shoot you over an email that you can read over and put in your own words and then pass along to her and just CC me on it and make an introduction that way. I mean, would you be terribly opposed to doing something like that? Um... I could just give give you her email if that works. That works by me. Hey, I appreciate it. Mateo, you seem like a good guy. I appreciate it. Be well. And yeah, I'll be in touch every now and again. And hopefully you'll tell me, hey, the, the, the program is working out outstanding. Yeah, let's stay in touch. Thanks, Ryan. All right. So out of role play, that's the way I play it. So there's a couple of different things that I was doing there. I'm not sure if you picked up on them. Or yeah, that's great. Why, thank you. I appreciate it. I like how like... um. Like, even though you got to know, you're, you're still sort of trying to build value or get them thinking about, like, what's important or how you guys might, like, be able to also, like, support them in the same manner that their current product is. So it's like, even though they're, it's a no, you're still getting them thinking. I really like that. Yeah, so I'm getting them thinking, and I'm getting them to the point where I'm gathering data and I'm putting notes in. So that way, whenever I call the next time, you know, three months from now, six months from now, whatever the case may be. So whatever time frame they gave me, I'm going to half it. If not, you know, if I know the program that they're going to put and it stinks, I'm going to call them in a quarter and say, hey, the last time we spoke, you were just about to implement blah, blah, blah. My guess it's working out really well. Right. And I'm going to go for that negative. Go for that. No. 
well, yeah, we implemented, but no, it's it's been a little bit more challenging to implement than I thought. Oh, that's kind of curious. Tell me a little bit more. And now I'm down in those paths and I have my three magic questions. Tell me more about that. Can you be more specific, right? That's that's one. Then I'll, then I'll simply ask, okay, um, well, because of that, what? You know, what's the impact going to be? And they, they describe mm-hmm. it out. Hey, with or without my help, is it something you solve or is it, you know, eh, it's a pain in the neck and we just have to deal with it. I mean, without, without, without my help, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they go, well, we get it solved. Then you go for the appointment. Well, Hey, let me make this suggestion. I might not be the person to help you, but you know, we've helped others in similar situations. Why don't we have a conversation, talk a little bit about your current, current scenario, what's working, what isn't share with you our best practices take a couple of ideas out of that. Worst case, you get some ideas. Best case, we start working together or pull some others into the conversation. Does that sound like a good use of time? Yeah, absolutely. And then we book it off of there. So it's all of those little nuanced things that you just, you know, you just fall in the process, right? Yeah. Just asking, just keep asking questions. Yep. And, and and that's what you did really well on your role play. All right. So that's, that's going a little bit too deep. Uh, well, hopefully people enjoyed no, that. That was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Really so take, breaking it down. Yeah, take that away because if you notice, it doesn't matter, right? If you're selling technology into education or you're selling technology into a, a, a mm-hmm. you know, for ERPs. Hey, I'm kind of curious. How are you structured today? Well, because of that, what's happening? All right. And so, you know, what would you rather it happen? Can you give me an example? Because of that, what? With or without my help, right? It doesn't matter what you do. It's all the same questions. And that's the brilliance about having that system or methodology that you've Hmm. really implemented is it doesn't matter who you're talking to, what you're selling. It's just having conversations like you are. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I love it. Now, let's, so you're doing telephone. Are you also, and you're also big on LinkedIn. So talk to me a little bit about any tips and tricks and um, that you're doing to leverage LinkedIn to sell. Yeah, so it's funny. I had a conversation with String. She's a really popular YouTuber and LinkedIn influencer, and uh, had her on the podcast, uh, the Sales Dev Squad podcast. And she mentioned something that was really interesting: that uh, LinkedIn tends to be underused a lot. And I mean that that most people use LinkedIn as like a still resume, and although it's great for that and it's a great job board, there there are a lot of features of LinkedIn that a lot of people tend to overlook or underuse. And um, you know, in this digital age, um, I spend more time scrolling through LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, and uh, that's where we live these days, especially during COVID. And so, if you can somehow educate your prospects, educate your customers, uh, provide value to them through the social channels. Um, it's, it's another outlet and another opportunity for you to just provide value to them before even asking for a meeting. And so I'm really big on creating original content for my prospects and for SDS. And I think it's the future. I, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big Gary V fan and I learn a lot from his YouTube channels. And I think content is, is really valuable and it, and it costs you almost nothing, right? It, it costs us nothing to produce this podcast here. And it's really valuable to either our audience, your audience, my audience. And so, so uh, being able to create something tangible in, in a digital way and being able to have some uh, digital equity in the game, I guess you could say, is, is uh, I think, really valuable right now, especially when there's a lot of people that aren't really taking advantage of it. Yeah, 100%, because the reason that people buy you is on trust, and a trust factor comes from you being a subject matter expert. So wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, all right. So you're leveraging LinkedIn, uh, creating original content. How m- Now, I-, I can hear the guy, how are you supposed to be making telephone calls? Just do telephone calls and emails, yeah. right? So how do you how do you battle that? I think it is important to do the outbound activities and the calls and the, and the, the emails. Um, but I'm a huge proponent of working smarter, not harder. And I think uh, brand branding over selling is my sort of approach. And maybe it's it's the marketing major in my head telling me that. But I think if you can make a deposit without asking for anything in return, that's the best way to show someone that you're committed and you're not. I think the the hardest part of being in sales is you have to convince people that you're not like a salesperson and you can leverage content. For example, right now I create video tutorials for teachers 
I don't ask for anything. I, in fact, I enjoy making content and I enjoy helping people. And so if I can teach a teacher how to upload something to the Google Drive, you know, that's something that's really valuable to a principal. That's something that's really valuable to a teacher. And that's something that I just enjoy doing. And, and that content is something that I can send to a prospect or post on social media. And you're building brand because you're, you're actually, you actually enjoy helping the audience that you serve. And yeah. people can recognize that. And, and from that, in addition to creating sort of your opportunities through like cold calling, I think you're maximizing uh, both fronts of being on digital, but also like being a really uh, highly trained salesperson that uh, can execute and and deploy like those specific tactics and such. So uh, I guess that's what I'm working on right now and, and trying to learn and grow from that. Yeah, so you're you're channeling your inner Josh Braun, uh, giving yeah. classes out there. Nice, love it. Okay, well, hey, listen. So we're we're doing telephone calls about a buck twelve a day. Well, that hundred and twelve outreach attempts that you did on Friday, it's probably that, like on the higher end. Okay, was that uh, only telephone, or was that telephone email? Was that the whole? Yeah, so like a hundred and twelve dials and probably like ninety emails, maybe. Okay. So it really does vary, though. I think that's like more more activity heavy day, but other days I could do like more emails and like fifty dials. I'm also big on email. I think, I mean, cold calling is good, and I and I think it's important. But uh, I think if you can educate your prospects through a couple of cold emails, by the time you call and reach out to them, you're not a stranger. They kind of have an idea of of what you do. And you don't have to be so perfect on the phone to execute and get that meeting. So you're, you're almost using uh, emails to educate your prospects so that when you're on the phone, it's just like, okay, how do I build the relationship? How do I ask a few questions? And then from there, they at least know a little bit about me and my product because I've sent them a couple of emails as opposed to going in purely cold and you know being really strong on the phone and being able to speak really well of what your product and service does. So just making it a little bit easier on yourself because cold calling is really hard and um, I feel like if, if your prospects don't know about your product and service and you caught them at a bad time and you said the wrong thing, to, it's like there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So just being able to like um, just help yourself in other ways is, is sort of my approach. Just like really focusing on your strengths. If email works really well for you, like, you know, do do email. But just, I don't know, those are my thoughts. Got it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. And we're, we're... – so we're doing this on a Saturday because good old Mateo, he has a, he has a, a job that he has to do. So he, he, we're doing this on a Saturday at 7.30 in the morning for him, California time. So I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, so let, me, let me be cognizant on your time here and wrap this up. So um, other than uh, the, sales de- uh, the Sales Dev Squad podcast, what other, what other resources would you suggest to, to those who are listening to this to reach out um, and utilize? Yeah. So um, if you go to our YouTube channel, Sales Dev Squad, we have a bunch of YouTube original content for you guys um, that you can check out. That's all free. Uh, We also have all of our podcast episodes on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you go to salesdevsource.com, you can find some more information about our upcoming. uh, It is SDR office hours. So really just trying to highlight SDRs in the industry that are that are making it happen and to help support other SDRs. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in getting into sales or not sure you, you have what it takes or don't know, you know, what, what it takes, um, I offer a, a sales career training course that has like over 30 plus videos that you can kind of dive deeper into and, and really get an idea of like what it takes to be an SDR and, and how to succeed. So that's where you can find me. Got it. All right. So how about other than what you're doing, any other places that you're, you're, you're learning stuff, you know, what are you doing? If you are not on LinkedIn right now, please do yourself a favor and get on LinkedIn and connect with Brian and myself. Um, (laughs) There's just a lot of great people on LinkedIn. And really, if you can just use this, LinkedIn is such a powerful networking tool and your network is so powerful for you. So get on LinkedIn, connect with people, do some posts, really just get yourself out there. Cause I've seen people literally get jobs just by posting and being consistent with that and just being who they truly are. 
um, and the jobs come to them because they've sort of taken that approach. So don't be afraid to get yourself out there and, and get on LinkedIn if you're not on not already. All right. Words to live by by Matteo. Be gritty. Always learning. Positive attitude. Get out there and do it and make deposits, as Josh Braun said. So, yes. Hey, Matteo, I can't thank you enough. So on behalf of Matteo Elvera and the Talent, Sales, and Scale podcast, really appreciate it. Get after it and have a good one. Thanks again, everyone. Talk to you next time.